Welcome to this episode of the Dads Making a Difference podcast. Today, I'm excited to have a conversation with George Hayworth. George is one of the four hosts of the Present Fathers podcast. And today, I asked George to be open, to be vulnerable, and to speak to vulnerability and why men struggle with it so much. And we differentiate between vulnerability and openness, not disclosure, but being open and honest and connected with those around us. George is going to let you know about the pitfalls of isolation and the role that connecting with the right people at the right time can play in helping men heal from their past, even a past they might not be aware of. We're going to talk about George's background and growing up in a strict household with family issues, absent father, and how it impacted him and how the lessons that he learned in his life about manhood and rites of passage didn't come until he joined the army and how he learned about the missing link in a young man's life, the missing link of rites of passage, of a present father, of a dad who is vulnerable and open and connected. And our goal for you today is that if you are struggling opening up with your kids, with your family, that you can show vulnerability. And maybe just learn one or two steps in this episode that are going to help point you in the right direction so that you can have a better connection with your family, with your kids, and with your wife. This episode of the DMD Podcast with George Hayworth starts right now. You are listening to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, the number one podcast for men driven to live a life of significance. Men who want to make a difference in the lives of their families, in their business, and in the world around them. My name is Cam Hall, founder of Fight the Dabot and leader of the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Now, let's dive in. George, welcome to the Dads Making a Difference podcast, brother. Great to see you today. Thanks for joining me. Cam, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited to speak with you here on the Dad's Making Difference podcast because on your podcast, I love listening into you and the guys talk about so many varied topics. And we were just talking a little bit before I pressed record on what direction this conversation could go. And it go a lot of directions. But I think yeah. really right now, uh, for the guys who are listening to this right now who don't know you or the Present Fathers podcast, we dive in a little bit to what makes you, you and what life was like for you growing up before you became a dad. Sure. Yeah, I'll try to be brief, but I'm the oldest of three growing up. We I grew up in a pretty stern household, like a lot of discipline, a lot of um a lot of intensity for like everything, right? So you have to perform well in sports, school, whatever, uh, you know, Hayworth's try Hayworth's work hard, we don't make excuses, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's me, then my younger brother and my younger sister, we're all two and a half years apart and my younger brother and I you know, we were always playing outside. I have a lot of really fond memories from my childhood, especially like early childhood. I don't really remember a lot of like negativity, like life was good. Uh, you know, 90s kids playing in the cul-de-sac, riding their bikes everywhere. You don't come home till the sun's down, right? The world's a little bit different now, but back then it was, uh, that was like, okay. Um, so <laughs> yeah. that was kind of how I grew up. Not sure how much detail you want me to get into here, but like things for me really started to shift around like middle school age. I started mm -hmm. to pick up more on kind of the dysfunction that existed in my family and for anything we may talk about with my family, it's uh, I just want to caveat for anyone listening that I, I love my parents. None of what I would ever talk about here is to like defame them or to blame them for anything. There's no victim mentality, but I've done a lot of work on like unpacking what happened 
and why I don't want that to happen again now that I'm a dad and with my own family. So anything that I share is more just to kind of share information so that people can kind of learn from it. And, um, you know, I think at the end of the day, like all of our parents, right, do something wrong or did some things wrong and they're just hurting people too. And I feel that way about my family or my parents specifically. So my middle school age is when I started to notice that there's like things going on between my parents. There's a lot of yelling and, you know, fighting and things like that. And that kind of bubbled over into ninth grade. My mom got like the church elders to come have like an intervention with my dad. She was convinced he was an alcoholic and kicked him out of the house and like made him go to rehab. Um, in hindsight, he was not an alcoholic. I don't know if it was a manipulation thing or I, I don't really know why that really came to that point, but it did. So that was like really jarring for me because, you know, relatively I had a pretty good upbringing. And to that point, it just seemed kind of like really abrupt. And so it was, I had this moment of just my life was flipped upside down. And you know, now we're one of those families who's getting divorced and stuff. And that was just never really thought that could be a thing for us. And so my ninth grade year was like really turbulent for that reason. But on top of that, uh, you know, so I'm like 15 here. I was a real small kid. So I was like 100 pounds, five feet tall as a ninth grader, you know, 15 years old. So like most of my friends are, you know, creeping up on six feet and have beards and stuff. And I'm like barely shaven. And so I just wasn't like a big masculine guy physically too. So on all this kind of just swirled, I had a lot of insecurity and I projected a lot and I was really like abrasive. You know, I talked trash on the court and all that kind of stuff. And just like, it was all just me trying to like prove that I was tough and none of it was real. Right. It's all like, right. Yeah. Boy projecting. So yeah. that, and then that kind of continued through high school. You know, I've seen this, you know, working in education for a long time, but yeah. when families split the impact that that has on young men in their development, and sometimes, you know, that split is something that has to happen in that family, but it still impacts a kid. And I want to circle back to something you said about your parents, and this is not to defame them, but to say, hey, I've noticed some things growing up that I don't want to happen in my life. And I think you and I, being as passionate as we are about being good fathers, we also have the realization that our kids 10, 15 years from now, 20 years from now might yep. be say, Hey, you know, my dad made some mistakes that I don't want to repeat. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that. As long as I know I'm conscious with my, my role is to be the best dad I can be. And there, right. there's going to be gaps in that. And I think you acknowledge that when you spoke of your parents and you did it so eloquently, I want to thank you for being vulnerable, but being honest. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, uh, that's just one little side note for me. I, I really, you know, part of my story is, is just learning how important vulnerability is in the right, you know, spaces. So like in this arena, I know your listeners, are, they're listening to this because they want to be better dads and, and have better families. So, yeah. you know, that's something I've learned through all the work I've done and therapy and all that kind of stuff is that like when we let down our guards in the right areas and just be real about anything, healing and restoration is just accelerated. So and that's, also too, to live authentically, you don't live with, you're not living this double life. Yeah. Can yeah, I ask you a question? So you're, you're in grade nine, you're 15 years old. Your parents tell you, Hey, we're getting a divorce. This is kind of where it's going. Uh, were you and your siblings like split up? Did you, who did you live with? What did that look like for you? Yeah. So it gets like really messy. Like, <laughs> so they didn't really divorce yet. They separated. My dad went to rehab and I think he did just because he wanted to be able to come back to the yeah. house. Right. Yeah. And I wasn't really getting told a ton of details yet. You know, it was very high level. But, you know, like it was just weird too, because then like all your friends at church and school and on your sports teams, they all know what's up. And like, 
how do you explain it to them? And so there's lots of weird questions about that. I didn't, we didn't really talk between the siblings. Uh, and that, that's like one of my bigger regrets is I wish I would have been a little bit more compassionate, really. I, I think so for me, my just personal story, I wasn't at a place there where I could like make emotional space for other people. And I'm just naturally not that guy anyway. Like empathy is something I have to work hard at. That's not a strong suit for me. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> You can imagine, you know, 15 year old me was pretty bad at it. So that that we didn't really talk a whole lot. But fast forward, they my dad came back and they like tried to work it out. Uh, and then it was the beginning of my next year of school. So 10th grade, I think they got divorced the same week I turned 16 in okay. September, like right at, right at the start of the school year. So that's like when all this stuff like really just exploded. And <laughs> I was just so angry, you know. And so from what I've learned about like how we develop. Uh, especially as like young men, I kind of got stuck as a 15, 16 year old emotionally. Right. Mm. So as I continued to grow up physically, I didn't really grow up. Right. And my, I seemed mature and all this kind of stuff on the outside, but like it all felt like an act, you know, I felt like yeah. I was putting on an act for everyone, for everywhere I went. So I'm the guy at youth group or whatever at church. That's the face I put on. I'm playing, I'm wrestling. That's the face I put on. I'm at school doing academics. Now that's the face I put on. I'm at home. I got to be the strong one. So the other siblings, you know what I mean? So like, are you the I was oldest? just wearing all these masks. Are you the oldest? Yeah. So I'm the oldest. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So we're all two and a half years apart. So by the time I was 16, you know, they're 14 and 12, 11, you know, based off the spacing. So right. yeah, um, we all stayed with mom. I, this is the weirdest thing for me that I still don't really have like a great answer. I have no idea how this got like approved, but my dad can only see us once a week. Like my mom got a restraining order on him. I don't know how that got like through because he wasn't violent or anything. Um, I mean, they were both just as guilty of yelling and stuff. You know, I mean, there was it wasn't a one sided thing. We only had to see him once a week for like two hours. And at the time, I was like so angry. I was like fine with that because I didn't want to see him. But yeah, it, it's really messed up. Like I, you know, people talk about father's rights and stuff. Like I get now why there's a lot of advocacy for, especially from a legal point of view balancing that out better because in hindsight i'm like even if he was as bad as my mom was saying like i needed my dad i was yeah. scared frustrated teenager like i needed a man in my life my dad in my life you know right or wrong whatever happened in their relationship but it messed me up not having my dad around and then not just not having him around like enough being that angry at him so yeah that that's the thing that like really hurts in hindsight that i really wish you know, you could go back and change because uh, basically I was so mad at my dad. We were estranged for pretty much 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, because I went off to college and doing Army yeah. ROTC and went active duty and moved across the country. So I would talk to him like occasionally. We'd see each other occasionally, you know, like holidays and stuff. But I look back on that, those like 10 years of pretty much being mostly separated. And it's yeah. like, dang, those are some of the 10 most important years for a young man. It's like starting out in the world. And I definitely suffered because I didn't have that relationship. It's strange for 10 years. So like until you're 26 around there. And yeah. you said this is some of the most important time. I think about all the formative experiences that we have as young men in that period of time. And I, I think about you now as a father, man, I got to ask you this question because I think, I think it's fair, but I think it also gives insight to who you are. And I want to get into some of the work you're doing now. Okay. What, what do you feel that you missed out on from your dad in those 10 years that you are now championing 
with other men? I think it's that need. It's that kind of like primal, you know, young masculine need to feel like you've made it right. You're a man now. I think that's what I didn't get most. And I think that, you know, even if your dad isn't like some huge macho guy, there's just something about it being your dad is telling you those things about you and drawing that out of you. That's just different than anyone else can do. And because it's the primary relationship, right? Your dad is your first hero, you know? Um, You know, I remember being a little kid and thinking my dad could like conquer the world, right? You just, you just think your dad is like the toughest thing that's ever lived, right? It's just, so for me, having all these experiences of like not being a big dude to begin with. So when I graduated, I wrestled 125, 130 pounds in high school. You know, so I was a massive 130 when I graduated high school. Yeah. I, I was fit. I was in really good shape, but like, you want to feel like big and strong, you know, especially as a young alpha male with all your hormones yeah. raging. Like you want to feel frontal tough. lobes, not completely developed yet. Exactly. Like, you know, go. dragging our knuckles around a little bit. So like <laughs> for me personally, that was where being emotionally stuck as a teenager and like not having these like kind of like rites of passage and these experiences more one-on-one with my dad. Yeah. Or just being able to have an actual conversation like, yeah. Hey dad, I met this girl and I think I want to marry her, you know, and like being able to have that comfort, to talk about that kind of thing. Like for, for me and him, it was basically just like, hey, did you see the game this weekend? You know, that was our relationship for yeah, at least surface and, level. Yeah. And so I look back on that, I'm like, dang, like how much, you know, how many dumb decisions would I not have made <laughs> if I had a better relationship with my dad? So I think hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of that rite of passage type thing. Yeah. Did that influence you going into service? Uh, no, it, a little bit. So, I, I was always very like idealistic and I wanted to do something like bigger than myself. So I was always very attracted to the military. Didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to do something to start. And then obviously like 9-11, right? I was in seventh grade, I think, when that happened. So, you know, I was kind of like from that point forward, I'm like, well, I'm going to do something in the military. But yes, I think that if I'm really brutally honest with myself and really try to dissect like what were my true motivations, I think deep down that scared little George, you know, who was 16, wanted to be in the army and make it and prove he was tough and go to combat and like do all that stuff to say that like, okay, I've arrived now, you know? And for a while I kind of believed it, right? I believe my own, yeah. uh, my own delusion <laughs> a little yeah. bit. And it, I think it's hard too. Cause like, I think that's where, again, you have that strong relationship with your dad. He can kind of help you cut through the bravado yeah. and, and also kind of ground you in what's real, but also make you feel brave enough to go do whatever it needs to be done right and so i kind of had to like i had to use the military almost as a surrogate for that and so on like my deployment i got it sure you know the men i deployed with most of them i was like one of three guys who had never deployed yet the rest of the team had all deployed at least once most of them like twice three four times and this is 2012 and so like just being surrounded by these tough dudes who have done it they've been there and done it you know I learned a lot, not just about army stuff, but life in general. And so I did come home feeling a little bit more secure. Like, okay, I've, I've done some stuff now. Like I'm, I'm a capable young man, but deep down, I was still like, if they only knew, yeah, you know, like yeah. if, the, if these guys on the team really knew the real George, they really knew how scared I was on the inside, would they still accept me? So yeah. that was kind of like how I approached everything in life. Man, can I share with you right now that what you're saying about your experience on your deployment, if they really knew. I think that's a powerful metaphor for how a lot of dads feel. 
they're raising kids and they are putting on this show and they're putting on this front of, I got this figured out and I'm helping my kids and I'm there and I'm present. But in the background, they go to bed at night or they go to a workout by themselves and in their head, they're going through this. If my kids only knew how screwed up I was, if my kids knew how much I let them down, if my kids only knew I dropped the ball here, like, man, I I think that it ties into the work that you do right now. Yeah. Will you speak to that? Will you speak to a little bit to the work you're doing right now, your podcast and the mission that you're on? Definitely. So the present father's podcast is I I think very similar to what you're accomplishing here um, is essentially just trying to be a one-stop shop for dads to hear from other men from all walks of life, you know, what it means to be a dad. And just, we, we cover a wide range of topics because we want to just give men that resource, right? Like, Hey, here's, here's, something to consider here's a tactic you know sometimes it's very philosophical other times it's very grounded but we also kind of just like looked around and didn't it didn't seem to be enough of those resources out there so we're like well yeah. why not us right let's just take action and if we help just one guy then we're making a difference and that counts and you know at the end of the day i'm good at that so um yeah really at the core of what we're doing is i think trying to kind of heal some of the wounds that we all have right because right. uh, there's four of us and we yeah. all kind of have different background stories and things like that but you know there seemed to be a lack of masculine teaching uh in our generation and i think when people hear the word masculine they immediately think like you know barbarian with a club or something and that's like one fourth of what it means to be a man right there are times to be tough and you know a warrior but i like to use there's a great book i love called uh tender warrior by Stu weber and Mm. he he defines that there's four pillars of masculinity so i don't know if you want me to go into those but that's i we try to like (laughs) help guys realize that because generally we're really good at one or two pillars and we're really yeah. bad at the other two right so like i compassion and empathy you know i was not a very tender warrior very harsh warrior right so there needs to be that balance and doing this podcast and meeting all these guys and like interacting with you and i've met all these men from all these walks of life who are impressive you know a lot of them are absolute just behemoths of whatever they do right whether yeah. it's you know academics or business or sports or military and all of them all share the same thing that they all have that imposter syndrome. Yep. Especially the first time they become a dad, right? And, yeah. and there, it's that that initial fear of like, oh man, like I have to be better now. And so I think we all get it. I think every man has that exact same experience. And I think by just, it's not just like hug it out, right? But I think yeah. having some real conversation about like, hey, okay, welcome to the club. We've yeah. all been there. Yeah. Here's some advice. But then also you got to make it your own. And then by kind of just having these conversations like this, I think it de-stigmatizes guys in that initial point or where whatever phase of life they're in where they're they're feeling stuck to actually ask for help. And that's yeah. one thing I've learned too through just my own journey is the more that you ask for help, especially from better people, you know, the people like, oh, maybe, maybe they don't have the time to help a low life like me or whatever, they probably will. You'll be surprised at how many people are willing to invest their time in you. And, you know, I'm the product of a lot of really great people putting a lot of work into me. Yeah. It's not like George figured out on his own. There's like a hundred people or a thousand people who have poured into me to get me to where I am today. Hey guys, I wanted to take a moment and talk about our community of DMD brothers in the DMD mastermind. We are men who help each other to stay focused and intentional in our pursuits of personal, professional, physical, financial, emotional, and spiritual growth. We are a community of men who bring courage, wisdom, and transparency to unfiltered conversations that challenge us to be more impactful men. To be 
dad's making a difference. We do this through our online and in-person events where men come together to speak into each other's lives and then turn around and do the deep work to create change in their families, in their businesses, and in the community around them. If you are wondering if this community might be right for you, you can find more information on the DMD Mastermind, and you can also book a call directly with me at dmdmastermind.com. Now, let's get back to our show. Can I ask you about that? Because your story doesn't seem to be one of a guy who's eager to ask for help. And so if you think back over your journey, think about, you know, being the military, becoming a dad, some of these experiences that you've had, what was the first time that you felt like you really had to like ask someone for help and kind of just swallow your pride for a minute and be like, I don't know what the heck is going on right now. I don't know if it's the first time, but it's definitely like a very, it's a memory like seared in my mind where I really learned this lesson. Yeah. And it was uh, just, I need to give a little bit of context about my team structure. So I deployed with a team of, there was a lot of rank, you know, normally, so I was a second lieutenant. Normally when you deploy as a second lieutenant in a combat arms unit, you're going to be like one officer or like one of three officers in a company of, you know, 150 people or whatever, right? There was like half officers out of 14 people, right? And half not, you know, non-commissioned officers, E6, E7. So there was a lot of like rank. So everyone had to kind of do everything, right? It's very, we had to all be cross-functional. And my team leader, he's a very experienced officer and he he wanted to rotate the lieutenant. So we we would all kind of develop leading patrols and doing the different roles we would have to fill. So my very first patrol that I was supposed to be the patrol leader for everyone going outside the wire, you know, we had several days to plan and whatnot. And I tried to do the whole thing by myself. Because I thought that's what I had to do. I, oh, you're the patrol leader. You have to do everything, right? <laughs> and I like it was not good. You know, I, like my brief was terrible. He was like ripping me to shreds in the brief, like in front of the whole platoon and everything. And afterwards, you know, he was like, "Well, why didn't this get done? Or why didn't you do that? Or whatever?" And I, and I said, "Well, I just ran out of time." And he's like, "Did you ask your lieutenant buddies to help you?" And I said, "No." And he's like, "Why not?" And I said, "Well, because you made me the patrol leader. Don't I have to do?" And he said. No, you got to delegate, man. There's only so many hours in the day. Yeah. Heck, get the get the specialists on the team, the two specialists. Get them involved. Have them go find the map, plan the route on the map. Like you, you can literally use everyone on the team to to do it. It's it's you know, uh, and yeah. so that was just so vivid in my mind. I, and I don't know if it was a you know just the way I was raised or something, but yeah, it, like that that was the day that like ooh, that wall kind of like shattered for me, and I was like, okay. You, you got to use everyone around you for everything um, right. because in that environment, like it could be life or death, right? Like yeah. every day. So it really drove the point home quickly, but then more, you know, I guess esoterically like in therapy and stuff like that. I think the first time I was like really exposed to the vulnerability we talked about earlier is I went to a place called onsite with my wife, um, 2016, I think he was 15, but you go and it's like group experiential therapy. And so you're like, it's for a week long and you're kind of, it's like out in the woods, middle of nowhere. And just everyone like with all the exercises they had us do and you role play each other's like people in their lives and stuff like that. I just saw vividly how, when you stop playing the game, stop living the charade and really just let it down and tell people like, Hey, I've done these bad things, or this is a mistake I made, or this is what happened to me that you stop getting stuck where you were and you can mm. finally start moving forward from it. Cause you can you put the weight down, you know, 
You, know, you take all this stuff that you've been carrying and you don't, a lot of times you don't realize you're carrying it. You finally set it down, you can move forward. So I guess that's two different ways to, to explain how one is very practical, like professional sense, but the other one is very emotional. Um, and I think you need to apply that in every aspect of your life. So if you're an athlete, go find better athletes and coaches to, to tell you where your game needs to improve. If you're a musician, same thing, you know, whatever it is, that's the only way anyone gets better. Like Michael Jordan had a coach, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. So you do too, you know, you need one too. Yeah. I look at this and the parallels that you've, you've shared. I don't know if you realize what you've shared, but you shared a little bit about your upbringing and how as guys, I think about, you know, that lack of empathy you po- you refer to, but you also said imposter syndrome. And so if you have a lack of empathy, you know, maybe a little bit of lack of self-awareness, and you start to have this imposter syndrome where you need to prove yourself to others, comes under this thing I just wrote down. It's like, do it myself. I can do this myself. I have to do this myself. They need me to do this myself. Where the story you just shared about going to uh, this location, this event with your wife, Instead of saying, I need to do this myself because you're suffering from imposter syndrome, you start by saying, this is who I am. And you're honest with, this is who I am. And then it breaks down the barriers for you to say, now I can do this with help. Because when people know who you truly are, when you ask for help, it seems natural. It seems like there's a lot of times where you'll be like, I got, I don't know if you do this, George, but I do this sometimes where I can see somebody's around. They might be a little bit bored. They're looking to engage and I don't really need the help, but I'll be like, I'm going to give them a job to do. Hey, can you help me with this? Or I have a question. Uh, What were your thoughts on this? Where I damn well know in the back of my head, I already have my answer, but I'll bring them into the conversation because I feel like I need to a little bit. Uh, We go through that. That's a lot different than being like, oh, great. Someone's here. I can ask for help. Right. And yeah. I think for me that I'm, you've challenged me right now to think about the ways in my life I can ask for help and be who I, who I actually am. It takes a man that takes a lot of work. The example you just gave there of where I know the answer already, but like I can include this person. What a great tool for any kind of leadership, family leadership, you know, being a dad, uh, anything, right? Work, right. military, whatever. What a great way to involve other people. And what a, what a superpower, right? Cause yeah. like a lot of people, they're just like me, right? They're looking for that opportunity to prove themselves or to feel like, hey, you know, the sir saw me do it, you know, or whatever, right? Like yeah. a lot of people yeah. are looking for that. So you can kind of give me, you can, they're gimmies, right? You can, you can lay that up for people and that builds confidence. And especially if you're leading like teams, like that's a great way to help people feel more capable. And when they, when they, when they believe for themselves finally that they can really do it, they will accomplish more than you ever would be able to like do yourself, you know? And so if you apply that to fatherhood, right? Like I'm at that stage where my daughter's eight, you know, she wants to help with everything now. And it's like, oh, it would be so much faster if I just do it myself. And I have to catch myself all the time. I'm, I'm not good at it, right? This is, I'm being very candid, candid here. Like I need to do better. I'm just like, okay, look, am I in a hurry? No. Can I take the extra 10 minutes? Yes. All right. Yeah, kiddo, come here, help me out. So I think that that's probably a very underutilized tool, whether you're in like, you know, professional leadership or just being a dad. So Love that you put that out there because that's that's a really great example. Matt, I, I think about blind spots. I think about how when we operate on our own or in isolation, I've said this on our podcast. I know you guys have talked about this on yours, about how guys, when you work in isolation, guys are dying in isolation. Yeah. I think we can do it ourselves. Literally. Yeah, literally dying in isolation. Yes. But I 
I had an opportunity to be part of a, a practice in the mass, my mastermind group. Can I share it with you? Because I think yeah. you, I'm you, excited you to find hear. this interesting. They called it the duct tape session. I don't know if you've heard about like this type of thing before. So I sat oh, down no. with the guys in my mastermind group and we're going to do this thing where you can, men, first of all, they don't affirm each other enough celebrate each True. other enough affirm yep. each other enough it's like icky soft all fluffy bs yep. that we don't need to take part of but i think it's important so the duct tape session is like metaphorically you, you got duct tape on your mouth we don't actually do that but you we should with some of the guys so you're not allowed to speak so you're not allowed to speak and the guys in the group just affirm you speak into your life okay, i have also, heard of this yeah, but also yeah. challenge you and call you out on your blind spots and you're yes. not allowed to respond for like, yeah. it's like 30 minutes. Yep. And I'm going to tell you that was the most intimidating practice that I had done for the first time where we, I've done a lot of like intimidating stuff, physically, mentally, emotionally stuff. That was like, I'm going to put myself out there for this group of guys. Are you yeah. kidding me right now? I'm not going to do this, but I think there's power in being able to acknowledge it. We all have blind spots and we will never know what we don't know unless we ask for help. We need to be yes. able to ask for help. And so being honest with who you are, asking for help, acknowledging these things, I think what you've spoken to is really powerful. Yeah. I think that really in a lot of ways, that's the only way I've made it, whether it's in my career or my marriage specifically, is, you know, in the times where I was really messing up the most, I don't know if it was an act of God or just the way I am, but I, I had the humility in those moments to just be like, okay. I'm not enough. I can't do this on my own. I need someone yeah. else. I need a lot of people. Um, unfortunately, I had to wait. You know, it's, I waited till like absolute worst case scenarios to really get help. So that's my like plea to men who listen to this is be proactive. Like now I'm super proactive on this, right? right. I've joined three separate men's groups that yeah. I paid to be in, you know, yeah. in this year alone, specifically for that reason. I'm surrounded by all these guys who are way better than me in so many different areas of life. I love it because yeah. I'm just learning from them and you can ask them honest questions. Hey man, like your one group is specifically dedicated to like marriage. Another one is more comprehensive about business, health, all that kind of stuff. And so like with the marriage one, right? I can go ask these guys like, Hey, my wife said this, or I'm thinking about this. Like, can you guys pressure test the way that I'm thinking about addressing this with her? Right. So then right. now I'm not just going in guns blazing with my wife saying something I really regret. And it's been run Happens. through a little bit with guys who are like, okay, pump the brakes there, intense yeah. George. You know, she's your wife. Let's be a little tender. You know, like I yeah. need that. And so when I try and act like I'm Mr. Know it all and I'm great at everything, man, I can like I can see it so clearly now. Like it'll literally be the day. Like if I don't do my morning routine to remind myself of like who I need to be and that kind of stuff, like I notice I'm angrier, I'm shorter, I have less patience. Man, it's like not, and then I look back and I'm like, man, I lived my whole life like that. <laughs> you know, the, like, I, I'm sure I was not fun to be around for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So kind of rambling there. But it, in terms of isolation specifically, like when you're at that point where it's like, I need someone, if you have closed yourself off from everyone, you'll despair. You're going to wallow in darkness because yeah. there won't be anyone. To, sometimes we need the push, right? We need the, yeah. the person be like, hey, George, you're being too harsh. Calm down or whatever, right? Yeah. And yeah. we also need a time where like, man, I'm just really not doing good today. And they pick you up, right? Like it's, yeah. that's how it works. No one is perfect every day. No one is superhuman every day, right? You've got to build those friendships. And the first part for a lot of people, that's the scariest part is reaching out like, hey man, 
I, I like you. I, I like, you know, can we hang out? Like, that's like yeah. the most awkward question a guy yeah. ever asks another guy almost, you know, it's like, we're, we're scared to spend time to, to each other or with yeah. each other and just do it, man. Go ask to get coffee, whatever uh, you grab a beer, watch a game. You can do the kind of cliche thing to begin with, but then take it a step further and be like, Hey man, look, I'll be very honest. Like I really need a, a friend or like, I just, you seem like a guy that like would, would understand me. Like I, I really want to like hang out more and that's how it starts, you know? Yep. And so many men aren't doing that. And that's why they're literally dying in isolation because when, and this is my story too, when I cut myself off from anyone who could hold me accountable or even encourage me, you start telling yourself lies. Mm. We all do it. Like it's, it's, it's like what addicts do. It's what it, any, any, you know, whatever fails you, you start telling yourself lies about everything that's happening to you or around you and all that kind of stuff. And then you start to believe them. So you build this like fake mirror of the world around you. So you're looking at this projection of what you perceive is real and none of it is. Right. And you're just going to spiral downward. Right. And it wasn't until, you know, my delusions got shattered <laughs> that finally, you know, people were able to like reach down and pull me out of the pit. So yeah, isolation is the enemy. So what, what encouragement do you have for guys right now who might be listening to this or guys who listen to your guys' podcast, the present father's podcast, what do you, what encouragement or challenge, because sometimes encouragement is what, isn't what you need. You need a challenge. Like you yep. said, what encouragement or challenge do you pose to the guys who are listening to this right now, who might be feeling a little bit isolated, who might feel like they haven't figured out, they don't need to ask for help. I think that like the easiest one, like the least scary is like join an online group or something mm. like a Facebook group, or maybe it's a, a very cheap paid group, something like that, where you can kind of start to just see other guys being real. And there's and like in every group, there's always like someone who, you know, they just post like trolley stuff or whatever. Okay. Ignore yeah. that. But look for the, look for the guys who aren't doing that and just see like what I've been describing, right? This real interaction that occurs, you know, of some people around you right now that you're like, hmm, you know what? I bet, I bet we could hang out. I bet we'd click pretty well then make the call, man. Like that's the challenge. Like if you don't put it out there, it's not going to happen, right? If you're the one who needs relationship, you need to go make relationship. And I, and I understand that that's scary and I really empathize with that, but what you're doing now isn't working, right? So we've got to make a change. And I would change it a little bit too, for like men who are already fathers and men who maybe want to be fathers one day. Yeah. So if you're already a dad, clock's already ticking, man. Like you've got to improve today because you literally have kids that need you to be better every day. And we're going to have off days like that. I'm, I'm not saying be perfect, but you, you need to take this, like this should be a real wake up call for you. It should have been a wake up call the day they were born. Right. But right. Uh, when you're standing there in the newborn in your hand, you're like, Oh, yeah. Holy crap. This is real. <laughs> this yes. thing belongs to me. I'm responsible yeah. for this. Yeah. But, and, and it's not even just about you too. Like maybe right. some of these other people that you build relationships with are amazing mentors to your kids too. So like, it's just, yeah. it's, there's nothing but advantages. So you take the first step, maybe get shut down a time or two, but don't quit. Like, it's not just about your own health. It's about your whole family. Um, and then for guys who are single, maybe they're younger and they want to be dads one day, um, which is fantastic. Like that's a good thing. You're listening to this, right? The best time to learn to be a dad is before you're a dad. Yeah. <laughs> Hands down. The best time to learn about being a husband is before yep. your husband. So try and start fostering those friendships. Now, maybe, maybe you need to join a club or something, but like there's people everywhere who want to have deep connection. I think we were built 
you're created to have that desire for deep and true connection. And we live in this world of social media and facades and, you know, TV and all that kind of stuff. Humans live without that for millennia, you know, like that's not the norm. So we live in this world of where everyone's showing their best self and it's just not true. Yeah. You know, if, if you grew up 2000 years ago, living in the woods somewhere with like a tribe or something, everyone wanted to know all your weaknesses because you're around them all the time. Yeah. And that's normal. Like it's not normal to not know your neighbors. Right. So that's my, my challenge to both the married fathers and, and want to be one day two different kind of takes there. Yeah. George, as a dad right now, what is an area of growth that you're excited about or something that you're diving into right now that's become a passion of yours? So for me, it's the the area of growth that I'm like excited to kind of work into. And again, surrounded by a lot of other guys who have done it already and have a lot of advice for me is, you know, my daughter's nearing that age where physically she's going to start having changes. She's going to be a teenager in a few years, you know, boys will come calling and you know, I think the initial reaction is like, oh, well, I'm going to run them off when they come to the door, right? But uh, I got to quote Nick Freitas. He he made a a short reel or something like this talking about that exact thing where, mm-hmm. no, you need to build that relationship with your daughter at every phase of her growth so that when the guys are coming around, she actually wants to talk to you about like what's really going on. And, I, and I was, dude, that just like hit me to the core of like, ooh, yeah. that, that is so good. So like for me, it's kind of these. Ne- it's this next season, I would say, right? Next couple years, I am looking forward to growing in um, being a tender warrior, <laughs> having that tender heart and and listening, and just being a lot more intentional about the little things I'm doing with her because I want my daughter to have expectations. Her standards should be so high for whatever guy wants to come around um, that she she would never even consider like someone that I would want to run off. You know what I mean? Right. And then on and then way future thinking like i'm already praying and i need to be way more intentional about this too like praying and thinking about like the type of man that i want to come into her life one day to be a great husband to her you know and um so yeah that's that's kind of like short shorter term and longer term that's that's really on george's heart what what he needs to work on a little bit better i think in the next phase man i love it thank you thanks for sharing yeah appreciate the vulnerability (laughs) George, if somebody's listening to this right now and they want to learn more about you or hear your podcast, where can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Yeah, so we're on pretty much every social media platform. It's 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 a variation of at the present fathers on Instagram. It's at the present fathers podcast. But I'll put the well, I'll share you the link. We have a link tree, so you can just click the one, and then Amazing. it'll be all of them. You know, we're on Spotify, all the all the podcast platforms. So if you prefer to listen over to watch, we have it all on YouTube as well. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. It's pretty simple. I'll give you the one one stop shop link in the description so people can just click that and find it. And we'll make sure that's in the show notes and yeah. everybody has access. George, thank you so much for taking time away from your family to spend with us today. And man, I appreciate you. I appreciate your story and the work that you're doing. I can't wait to follow along and see where it goes. Yeah, Cam, uh, it's been a pleasure. And I can't wait to have you on the Present Fathers podcast in January. So looking forward to it. And uh, I just want to thank you as well for stepping out and, and doing what you're doing and the work you're doing and uh, being so intentional to change bloodlines. You know, I think this is the work where over time, this is how we improve our cultures, you know, wherever we are, and uh, make a positive impact in the world. So a lot of respect for you. Thanks, George.
Thank you for joining me today on this episode of the Dad's Making a Difference podcast. I hope you found value in today's show. And if it made a positive impact on you, please share it with someone you know, leave a five-star review, and subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And if you are a father listening to this right now who is driven to build a life of significance, to truly make a difference in the life of your family, in your business, and in the community around you, Go to dmdmastermind.com to learn more about the Dads Making a Difference Mastermind, a mastermind group for fathers that provides men with the skills, the connections, the accountability, the proven steps, and the brotherhood to truly become a dad making a difference. I'm Cam Hall. Thank you for spending time with me today, and I will see you on the next episode of the DMD Podcast.